we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. We're at 2 Samuel chapter 22. 2 Samuel chapter 22, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll begin reading in verse number one. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. When the waves of death come past me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple. And my cry did enter into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth. Devoured coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. And he made darkness pavilions round about him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Through the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning, and discomfited them. And the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered at the rebuking of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place, he delivered me because he delighted in me. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the privilege that is ours. Together around it, we pray by thy spirit that you would speak to us. God, that you would remove every distraction and help us to hear you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in verse number one, and David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in that day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. We know that David was a, a, a shepherd boy, a very faithful shepherd. We know that he was a soldier. He fought many battles. Uh, we know that he was a great king. But we also know that David was a wonderful musician. I can see him taking his place right here uh, with our orchestra this morning. 
He played his harp and soothed the soul of Saul. He taught us in the Psalms how to pray, and he taught us how to praise. And here in 2 Samuel 22, he gives us a song. It's a song of victory. It's a song that David wrote on the occasion that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies. We know that David had a lot of enemies, don't we? The Philistines, Goliath. But he also had enemies among his own people. Saul, for example, the king that he served turned against him. Saul led his army to pursue David, and out in the wilderness, David had to flee. He was lied about. He was conspired against. Uh, He also suffered the betrayal of his own son, Absalom, who also caused him to flee into the wilderness, but God spared him. There were those who served David or who professed to serve David who also caused treachery among or against him. David had a lot of enemies. After Saul's death, the sons of Saul did all they could to hold on to the throne. But eventually, finally, God gave him deliverance. And in the midst of that deliverance, David writes a song. And it's a song that we have. It's recorded in Psalm 18. And it's also recorded here in 2 Samuel 22. It's a song of victory, a song that testifies of God's deliverance. All the songs that we sing as believers are songs of victory. They're all songs that declare God's faithfulness and his deliverance of us. This morning we sang some wonderful hymns. We sang about the mercy of God. We sang about the mighty fortress that God is for us. And of course, That song goes very well with this song of David because God was his rock, his fortress, his deliverer. Now, in this song, David takes a a look back. He looks back to his past and the troubles that he faced and how that God delivered him from all of those afflictions. He also takes a look forward not only concerning his kingdom, but the kingdom of Christ, the Son of God, the Son of David. He looks forward to the victory that Christ wins or won for us over death and over hell and the grave. And then he looks beyond that to the coming of the king when he will return to this earth and establish his rule and his dominion. There's seven stanzas in this song that I've identified, and I want you to follow along with me. I think we'll get through the first three this morning. Well, let's look at number one. That is David's devotion. David's devotion. This song expresses David's love for the Lord. There was one who came to the Lord Jesus and he said, what is the greatest commandment? And the Lord Jesus said, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. We're to love God and we sing to him because we love him. 
And David has written a song to express his love to his Savior. Look at it, if you would, please, in verse 2. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Here we find David introducing this song by declaring his love for God, his devotion to his Savior. Now in this introductory thought and in this devotion, we see that he expresses his love to a personal Savior. We love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. He is not some abstract God out in the universe that we worship under different names depending on our culture and depending on our education. He is a personal God. There is only one God. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ that we know God. He is God. I am the way, he said. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is a personal Savior. Notice in verse 2, the Bible says the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock, and him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, and my refuge, my Savior. We see this word my is used nine times. David is emphasizing something. He's saying this God is my God. He is personal to me. I know him personally. He is my Savior. He's a personal Savior. Is he your personal Savior? Do you know him personally? You say, Pastor, how do I come to know God personally? Well, you come to know God personally by receiving him by faith. When you acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you need a Savior, and you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ. You see, the Lord Jesus came to die for you on the cross. He came to make the payment for your sin, to deliver you from death into life. And when you receive him by faith, he becomes your Savior. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He had become one of the sheep of his fold. He is a personal Savior. And so David expressed his love to a personal Savior. If you have a personal Savior today, you ought to express your love to him. You ought to just tell him, Lord, thank you for saving me. Of the untold billions in this universe alive today, you are among those who know the true and the living God. You are not facing an eternity apart from God in an awful place called hell. You are on your way to heaven. That is something that you ought to thank God for, and it is something that uh, ought to move you to express your love and gratitude for your Savior. He expressed his love to a personal Savior. He expressed his love, secondly, to a powerful Savior to a powerful Savior. Notice what David said. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. Again in verse 3, my rock, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. 
These terms speak of God's strength and his power to protect and to deliver his child. David knew what it was like to need a deliverer living out in the wilderness with Saul and his army threatening him. He knew what it was like to go against the giant and face battle, to face the foe. And David understood the need for shelter and protection, and he found it in the Lord. He said, you're my deliverer. You are a powerful Savior. I want to tell you something. The fact that God delivered you and I from sin and death speaks of his power. A powerful Savior. And then he expressed his love to a praiseworthy Savior. Look at verse 4. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from my enemies. Here's what he's saying. God, because you are my Savior, because you have delivered me, you are worthy to be praised. Listen, when we take the hymn book and we stand together and sing a hymn, no one should have to beg you to sing. No one should have to beg you to sing in the choir. Because if God is truly worthy of our praise, we ought to gladly give him glory and honor. Now, at 8.30 in the morning, it's a little difficult. I'm going to admit that. Because most people are hardly awake, including myself. But when we come together to worship God, we ought to sing. We ought to sing the rafters off this building. Not that we're trying to put on a show or a production. We ought to sing because God is praiseworthy. This choir shouldn't just be filled on special occasions. It ought to be filled every meeting. This congregation ought to sing every time. We ought to stand with joy in our face. I know it's difficult for some people to stand. That's okay. You can remain seated if need be. But sing. Because God is worthy of our praise. David said, when I think about a song that I need to sing for my Savior, I want to express my love to him. And how do I do it? By praising him, by extolling him, by exalting his name, by speaking about him gladly in the company of God's people, but also as I go about my daily business. At home, on the job, in the community, I need to give my God praise. So this song is a song of devotion. So the first stanza, if you will, if you'll use that term, speaks of David's devotion. Well, then we look at the second stanza, or at least what I'm calling the second stanza, and that is David's distress. David went through some difficulties. Job said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We live in a sin-cursed world, and because of that, we suffer the consequences of the sins of humanity. Now, we note in verse 5 what David said. He said, when the waves of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. 
The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. David said, you need to understand something. I was drowning in the sea of distress. We live in a world that seems to be drowning in a sea of distress. David said, I am compassed with the consequences and the sufferings of a sinful humanity. Notice how he describes it in verse 5. The waves of death compass me. What is death? Well, death is not just a physical death. It is the spiritual death that man experienced in the garden when Adam sinned against God. And God said, in the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. And we know that that day Adam did surely die. He died in his soul because the Spirit of God departed from him. He suffered a spiritual death. And every child that is born to Adam's race is born spiritually, stillborn, without life. The way that we receive life is when we receive Christ as our Savior. We live in a world of dying people. There are those in this world who have received spiritual life, but there are many who have not. And so death not only speaks of the physical aspect that we often think of, but also the spiritual aspect. We live in a dying world filled with dead men who are heading into an eternity called the second death. That is a place of suffering and burning in flames of fire for all eternity. He said, the waves of death compassed me. All around David was death, war, battle, strife, betrayal. The floods of ungodly men, wicked people surrounding David. His enemies, his foes, and even some who claimed to be his friends ungodly men. It seemed as if, if you, as we've studied the life of David, there's no rest for him, is there? There's no rest. There's always a struggle going on. David said, I'm going down in this sea of the waves of death, the floods of ungodly men, the sorrows of hell, and the snares of death. And so what did he do in verse 7? In my distress, I called upon the Lord. You know what the word of God tells us? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, I want to give you some good advice. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon him and he will save you. I once heard the testimony of a man who Uh, worked in New York City. I've told this story before, but uh, Jim Simbler writes about this in his book. In one of his books, I can't remember the title, but he he speaks of a a man who was a a professional makeup artist in New York City, and uh, some of the models in New York City would come and have him do their makeup. There was one model who was a Christian woman, and she would testify to this man who was bound in iniquity and in sin. All manner of sexual perversion, drugs, and alcoholism. 
She would tell him time and time again as she called his name. She would just say to him, call on the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. Well, as the man's life continued a downward spiral, he found himself nearly on the brink of death and he somehow found his way to a hospital. He was taken into that hospital and began to receive treatment. He said, while there being treated in that hospital, moving in and out of a coma. He said he literally could hear the voices of demonic forces speaking to him. I see him here in these verses, don't you? The waves of death, the floods of ungodly men, the sorrows of hell, the snares of death. And he said, it was in that moment I remembered what this woman had said to me. Call on the name of the Lord. And he said, from my hospital bed, I called upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord saved him. But the story didn't end there. That man got in church. He had lived a wicked, immoral life. He repented of all of that. He married a woman. But it wasn't long before his body was riddled with the disease that was the result of his sin and ultimately claimed his life. But he gave his life to Jesus. He cried out to God, and God heard him in his distress. You see, our distress really is a gift to us, isn't it? Because it points us to Jesus. By the way, Christians have distress too because we too are surrounded by the waves of death and the floods of ungodly men. We are living in a world that is, that is, that is spinning out of control as the result of the sin and iniquity of humanity. Now, I want you to know that the sorrows that come to us, they are the result of the sins of humanity. But think about the, the suffering son of God. He came. He heard our cry. David said, let me say it again. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. He could hear the faintest cry. And let me tell you what happened when he heard the cry. He came to us. He got into the sea with us. As he hung upon the cross, surrounded by all the mockers, as the bulls of Bashan, as he says in the Psalms, gaped upon him, the demonic hosts of hell gaping upon our Savior, and, and the, the scribes and religious leaders mocking him. He saved others. If he's God, if he's the Son of God, let him come down and save himself. As they mocked him, as they ridiculed him, as they spat upon him, I want you to know that the Son of God came and entered into the sea of our suffering and our distress that he might deliver us. Isaiah 53 and verse 4, the Bible says, Surely he, speaking of the Lord Jesus, hath borne our griefs. Oh, we live in a world filled with grief, broken hearts. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Why was he wounded? Why did he come into the sea? For us. 
not because of his transgressions. He's the son of God. He had none. He came and bore our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. David expresses his devotion to a God who is personal, to a God who is powerful, who has the ability to pull him out, and a God who is praiseworthy. And then David, in his distress, calls out on the Lord, and his cry enters into the ear of God. That ought to encourage you today. You know, the Bible tells us that there are moments when we don't know how to pray. In fact, there are many moments we don't know how to pray. We, we can't really verbalize what it is that we really want to say to God. We, we may not even be sure what we need to ask God. But our hearts are filled with grief and maybe at times confusion and hurt and pain and fear. And in those moments, we can cry out to God. And again, the faintest, perhaps the most unutterable cry, the Spirit of God intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And that message is given to our God. Well, what does he do with that message? Well, David's going to tell us what he did. Look in verse 8. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. God was on the move. I want to tell you, God moved for us. And the Bible said that he was wroth. That means he was really, really angry. God is angry. The word of God tells us in Psalm 7 and verse 11, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. David said, I'm drowning in this sea. I'm full of distress. The ungodly are flooding over me. The waves of death are crashing over me. Why is God mad? I want to tell you why he's mad. Because of the effects of sin and the damage it has done to his creation. He's angry about it. Now he loves people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God is not willing, the Bible tells us, that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God loves everyone. God desires to save everyone. But God is angry with the fact that sin has brought such ruin and such damage to humanity. Verse 9, there went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. And he was seen upon the wings of the wind. And he made darkness pavilions round about him, dark waters and thick clouds of the sky. Through the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning, and discomfited them. 
The channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were discovered at the rebuking of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Here we have in poetic form a description of the coming of the Lord. Hebrew poetry, unlike English poetry, English poetry is basically based on rhyme. Parallelism of of, of phrases and, and rhymes. But Hebrew poetry is consists of parallelism of thought. That's why you have things communicated and repeated often in the Psalms and the Proverbs. And and what David is doing in in a poetic form is expressing to us the coming of the Lord. And I want you to know that when he comes, he is coming in judgment. God is angry with the wicked. And he's bringing judgment to this world. Now, with whom is he angry? Or what is he angry about? He's angry about the effects of sin. And therefore, he's going to bring judgment. But not only do we see here, as we think about the deliverer, not only do we see his anger, but then we see his affection. Sometimes I'll be talking to my children and they'll say, why are you so mad? And most of you know me by now. I, I get intense. It doesn't, it doesn't always mean I'm mad, I, but I do have a way of getting intense. And, and it always upsets me when they say that to me. I think they know that. I think that's why they say it now. Why are you so mad? Well, I'm not really mad, but I got to do a better job of, of softening that. In the midst of God's anger, there is love. In wrath, the prophet said, in wrath, in judgment, remember mercy. Well, there's mercy in the midst of the judgment. Look at it in verse 17. He sent from above, speaking of the Lord, he took me. He drew me out of many waters. I think of Moses when I read that verse, don't you? He drew me out. That's what the name Moses means. He was drawn out. He drew me out of many waters, dangerous waters. God came and got me out of the sea. That's what he's saying. Verse 18, he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. In the midst of a wicked world that is tossed with the billows of iniquity and death and suffering and sorrow and bondage to sin, God comes to you and I and he rescues us. He draws us up out of the water, and he lifts us out of that narrow, stressful, uh, distressing place, and he puts us into a large place, and he delivers us from sin, and he delivers us from death, and he delivers us from hell. And why does he do it according to verse 20? Because he delighted in me. He loved me. I don't know why he did. I don't know why he does, but he does. Eight billion people alive on this earth. 
and God loves me. Eight billion people alive on this earth and God loves you. And he sent his son to die for you. And if you know him as Savior, he has entered into the sea of your distress and he has pulled you out and he has delivered you and set you into a large place all because he loves you. All because he delights in you. Now the devil is the accuser of the brethren and he likes to remind us how unworthy we are, how wicked we are. But we need to understand that God has set his affection on us and he loves us. What a glorious Savior. You see, this song of David is not just David's song. It's our song. This song of victory is our song. Would you go, let's just go to verse 51, and we'll finish right here. Let me show you why this song is our song. David concludes his song with these words. He is the tower of salvation for his king. David's speaking of himself. The tower was a place of safety and security and showeth mercy to his anointed unto David. Here's where we come in. And to his seed forevermore. You say, well, how am I a part of the seed of David? Well, I'm going to tell you how. You see, one day through the lineage of David came Jesus. On his father's side and his mother's side, born in Bethlehem, he was the rightful king, earthly father's side, Joseph, not his heavenly father's side. Oh, he's the rightful king under his heavenly father's side too, right? The rightful king, he was the one that God promised to David when he said, I will build, I will establish the house of David forever. There will be one of David's descendants who will rule and reign on the throne of David for all eternity. Who is that? That's Jesus. That's the son of David. Remember what the blind man cried? Jesus, thou son of David. What was he acknowledging? That Jesus was the king. He says, David says, and to his seed forevermore. Meaning that those of us who know Jesus have been brought into the family. And therefore, not only is this the song of David, but this is our song. And may we sing it with victory. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you and thank you once again for listening.